Amen. Working through it, I want to talk to you about the most important gift as we wrap up this series. The most important gift. There is an important, there's a lot of gifts, but there is something today I'm just going to go out on a limb and say might be the most important gift of all the spiritual gifts as we work through how do we have these two natures, spirit and flesh, and how do we live the spirit-filled life and crucify the flesh. And so we've talked about the call to service, the attitude of servitude, how our worship is really service, and today we're going to talk about the gift of service. So one of my passions is really as a pastor, as part of that pastor's heart, is to see people discover who they are in Jesus and find their purpose in the church, to find what they're called to do, to know what their spiritual gifts are. And I love seeing a person who's doing something they never thought they could ever do, and their face just lights up and say, wow, this is it. And they're, they're just smiles because even no matter how much they serve, they, they're just fueled by being in uh, the person God's called them to be, doing what God has called them to do. I remember uh, a person specifically years ago, this lady who had never really was new to our church, never got involved, and and I just sensed something on her life, and I it really just pushed her to be our follow-up team director, to go door-to-door -door and give cookies away and follow up with our guests, and they're like, no, 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 they told me no several times, and I just knew there was something there, and she says yes, her husband says yes, and uh, finally, I've, I, you know, I guess, berated them enough that they said yes to the pastor. They joined the team. I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't six months later. They were on the platform saying, you've got to be a part of this team. It's the best thing in the world. And it was awesome to see a person go from, I don't think I could ever do that. That's not me to finding out, no, this is why I'm here. This is my job in this season is to be this person. So I love that. That I just, I, years ago, I used to think that I never heard much about spiritual gifts growing up. I thought it was something that maybe just pastors and evangelists, missionaries had those things. You know, they do all that stuff. But I discovered my own walk. Every person in the body of Christ has spiritual gifts and that you can seek more of those gifts from the Holy Spirit. So do you know in this season what God has called you to do? Do you know what spiritual gifts God has given you to do the work that is that work? See, I think the problem is most Christians don't know what spiritual gifts are at all, and they probably don't know what their spiritual gifts are, and most people don't talk about it. But what happens is when people don't, and the church, they come to a church, they join a church, they become a Christian, they don't know their purpose, they don't discover who they are in Christ or what they're called to do, here's some things that happen. Number one is this becomes a spectator sport where the pastors can easily become celebrities like we have in America today, where you come to a worship performance instead of a worship service, and it's all about a paid clergy and the pew, people who sit in the pews. It becomes this divide. Even that, even go on, it becomes more about uh, the can-dos and the can't-dos. Well, I'm not one of them. You don't know my history. You don't know my past. I'm not worthy to do that. I'm nobody. I don't have anything to offer. My life is a mess. Let me tell you something. Your life is a mess, but you can still have a ministry. Amen? Your life can be a mess, but God has something for you to do. If we don't find what our spiritual gifts are, here's what happens. Things become cold in worship and churches. Pastors become overworked. Members fill their lives with all kinds of worldly distractions. If we're not doing what God's called us to do, what happens is we've got a generation of church in America today. We've got so much time to fill with so many worldly things. Because why? We're not filling it with kingdom work. I'm just be honest, not holding any punches back today. One of the reasons, the weakness of the American church is because we have allowed it to be a spectator sport because we haven't told people or helped 
people equipped for the working of the saints, the working of the kingdom of God. It becomes something that we can uh, talk, we have plenty of time in churches to divide and split over petty things like carpet colors and pews and our service orders. Because why? We're not, we're not busy enough with the kingdom and doing what God's called me to do. We've got time to think about things that don't make any sense and don't really matter in eternity. And if we measure anything but spiritual gifts, it becomes a hierarchy. We start saying, well, you've been divorced, so you can't do this, or you have a track record over here, and you're not qualified for this. And we begin to layer and level people according to what they can or can't do. And most of the people, like I said, just say, well, maybe I'm not special. I've got nothing to offer. If you're a Christian, you have been given spiritual gifts, and you can have access to many more. And Jesus is the author of those gifts. He gives spiritual gifts. The Bible says these are grace gifts. But you've got to work through those gifts in faith. And that's why we're calling it working through it. You see, spiritual maturity happens as you are working through what God has deposited in your life. It's a journey. This Christian life is a journey. It's not a destination. And while there's levels of spiritual responsibility, according to our spiritual maturity, everybody has something they can do for Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. There's something God has called you to do according to the spiritual maturity that you've attained at this stage. Everyone is called to serve somewhere, and serving and sanctification work together. So I'm going to tell you about the most important gift, I think, in Scripture. And I think this gift is the gift that more of you in this room have than any other spiritual gift. More people have this gift than any other gift, and I think it's the most important spiritual gift. Let me give you a couple of stories, though, before we get there. Let me tell you about some helpful people. I think we have some names up on the screen. Everybody loves helpful people. Don't you love helpful people? They're like the kind of people that say, I can be there on moving day for you. I'll help you bubble wrap your plates and your china. I mean, those are the kind of people. Don't you love people that is like, I'll be there when you need me, just rain or shine? I mean, how many people love helpful people like that, right? Okay, look, the volunteers. Ready? Here we go. No, like you love people that just... They're there any day or night. You just love people like that. And I'm going to be honest. I want to listen to people like that. People like that in my life who I know I can count on. They have a voice in my life. And God can give you a voice in people's life because of your gift. Paul had some people like this. One guy's name was Epaphras. He was a Christian from Colossae. He helped start the church there with Paul. He was known as a teacher. He established many other churches in the region we know. He visited Paul in prison. Paul says he's a slave and a servant, Colossians 1-7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our fellow beloved bondservant, that word means slave, who is a faithful servant. That word is diakonos. That means servant or minister or deacon. It's the same word. We'll say that later on here. But faithful servant, faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. He was faithful. He was a servant. Uh, Tychicus, this is a name you don't see much, Colossians 4, 7. He joined Paul on several journeys. He even, Tychicus, we don't, you don't realize this, but much of the New Testament letters that you are reading today is because Tychicus delivered them to Paul's churches. Many, maybe up to four letters he delivered. So you would even be reading the Bible today if this one guy, just one word, one sentence about him, it wasn't in the Bible. He was a helpful person. Paul says, to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother, faithful servant. That word is, again, diakonos. It's deacon or minister and fellow bondservant. That word is slave in the Lord. He was a servant and he was a slave. And Paul says, if it wasn't for this guy, you wouldn't even be reading my letter right now. 
There was another guy named Stephanus, Paul's first convert in Corinth. You know how crazy that church was. That church was so crazy, Stephanus had to go visit Paul in Ephesus and bring his letter from Paul back to Corinth. And uh, here's what Paul says about this guy and his family, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus. They were the first fruits of Achaia. That's that area. And they have devoted themselves for ministry. That word ministry, same word, diakonia. That is service or deaconship. They have devoted their life to ministry service. You know them. And he goes on and says, now listen to people like this. I love helpful people. There's one more, Phoebe. Phoebe was listed by Paul in Romans 16. That's where you are, chapter 16, verse 1. It was, she was a leader and a patron of the church outside of Corinth. Uh, she was known for giving hospitality and financial assistance to people. Paul calls her a patron, someone who supported missions work, especially Paul and Timothy and Silas, all of them. She was probably a rich uh, widow, maybe, and she, with her money, supported the ministry and financed the gospel of, of, of the for Paul's missions. She financed it. And here's what he says in 16 verse 1, Romans 16 verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is in Centria. That word servant, the same word with the others. Servant, uh, diakonia, uh, diakonos. It's servant, minister, and deacon. So let me tell you something. If I was to say to you today, I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What would you think about? You're thinking, okay, I, I, yeah, I got an image there. Now, if I was to say, I am a deacon at the church of Gina, Louisiana, you got an image there. But what if I was to say, I am a servant at my church? You know, it's the same exact word in the Greek. You see, before ministry was ever about titles and position, it was about someone's position and character in Christ. And across all these people, uh, over, let me see, uh, 29 times Paul will use this word in the New Testament. Almost all times, only three times will he use it as a title, and that's two, two uh, places for the title of deacon. The rest of the time he says this person was a servant of the gospel. They had the gift of service. And God began to use people that are many people, no names, there's no qualifications, their names are not up in lights. But if it wasn't for servants, people with the gift of servants, you would not have the Bible as we know it today. The gospel would not be here as we know it today because of a work of service. So that's three things I want to tell you today. In all of Scripture, every believer is called to a work of service some have the spiritual gift of service, and others are appointed or called to serve in leadership. The first is there is a work of service or a duty. You know, we all try to emulate somebody uh, that we respect. You know, maybe you were a kid, you'd like to dress up like a movie character. I remember uh, 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 watching Heat of the Night with my grandmother growing up. Now, you know, Carol O'Connor, right? Heat of the Night and Tibbs and Bubba. I don't even know that's way back when, right? I remember dressing up like Heat of the Night. I remember going to church with a secret little police badge in my jacket just to be Heat of the Night. I don't know why, okay? But that's, that's what I, I remember wanting to be Heat of the Night, all right? Mississippi, you know, uh, Southern cop or something. And you all want to emulate something you look up to. But the greatest man to walk the face of the earth, guess what his title was? servant of all. If you want to emulate Jesus, you want to be a servant of all. You want to dress up and act like Jesus. He was servant and slave of all. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. 
How do, do we really, let's be honest, do we really want to emulate Jesus? Really? Because there was a work of service. Paul says of more titles of himself than any other. He says, I am a bond servant, a doulos, that is slave of Christ, Romans 1.1. It was his number one descriptor of himself and those he ministered with, even James, Peter, and Jude, all use this title. We are slaves of Christ. We don't have many popular pastors in America introducing themselves as slaves of God. Slaves of Christ, slaves of righteousness. But even Paul says in Ephesians 4, You and I as saints, as holy ones, separated to God, we are called to do a work of service. Somebody say, work of service. Work of service. You are called, every person in this church today is called to do a work of service. Let me tell you something. It's not just for men. It's for women too. It's not just for old people. It's for young people too. It's not just for uh, adults. It's for kids and youth too. Let me tell you something. It's not just for rich people who have money to give in the offering plate. It's for poor people too. Let me tell you something. It's not just for families whose kids are out of busy ball and dance seasons. It's for every family and every season. You are called to do a work of service. Somebody say amen. There is a work you, in this season of your life, are called to do. And we can't put it off on other people and say, well, when I'm out of that season, or when I get money, or when I get time, then I will serve. No, sir, no, ma'am. You are called as a saint of God to do a work of service. There is a duty to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to do something for Him. Servants do good works. Jesus said, let your light shine in this world so they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10, each one has received a special gift. Everybody in this room has a special gift. So what does he say? Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What's a steward? A slave. A person who works for a Lord or a master. And you might say, well, Pastor, what works? I'll give you some examples in Scripture. What, what am I supposed to do as we work through this? Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, he says, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Jesus said it'll be like things like this, visiting those who are in prison, visiting those who are sick, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, giving drink to those who are thirsty. It's works like that that you should be known for if you're a Christ follower. Uh, another place, uh, it says, meaning, uh, Paul says, I think about all these people who've helped me in his missionary work. People brought him coats when he was in prison. People sent him money, like I just told you, Phoebe and these different ones. If it wasn't for people like Stephanus, I wouldn't even be able to write this letter to you. There are so many people that have the gift of helps, the gift of service. Titus, he told, uh, Paul wrote to Titus, and he said, we should encourage our people in our church to help any pressing need they see around them. Any pressing need. You live in different contexts than I do. We all live in different areas, but there is probably needs around. How do you know the world's got needs? There are needs around you, and God has called you, but we have to open our eyes to see, God, what needs around me have you equipped me and called me to meet? I can't meet every need, but God, you've called me to do something. But many times we're just walking blindly through our lives, and we don't realize God has put you there in that season, in that circumstance. You have gifts and abilities, something God has called you to do, and there are needs around you. It's not on the pastor and the church board and the church budget to meet the needs. It's up to the saints of God to do the work of service. I don't hear a whole lot of amens, but I'm going to keep on going. How do we work? How do we work? Paul says, I'm doing this with all the energy. God is working powerfully within me. Colossians 1, 29. Remember what he said in Philippians, in a jail, I can do all things through what? 
Christ who strengthens me. I can do some things when I have enough money in my bank account. I'll give, Pastor. I can do some things, Pastor, when my kids aren't so busy in ball and dance and cheer and Disney and sports camps and F4H camps and all this stuff. We can get involved, Pastor, when my kids get a little older and I have time. Or maybe I've done all I can, Pastor, in this season. Let some younger people do it. I can do all things or did do all things when I had strength, but maybe I don't have so much strength today. Let me tell you something. Paul in prison says, I can do what? All things through, not my own strength, but Christ who strengthens me. God has not called you to do everything, but he has called you to do something, not in your own strength, but in Christ's strength. There is something you can do, whether it's on your knees in a prayer closet interceding or coming to a prayer meeting or opening a door or visiting the sick or making a phone call or sending a letter or just telling someone you love them. Come on, there is something God has called you to do in this season of your life. Hebrews 13, 20, God will equip you in every good thing to do His will, working in us. God will give you the ability to do whatever He's called you to do. Sometimes we bite off more than we can chew with this world, and we feel drained and weak. Well, that's probably because you're doing things outside of God's will for your life in that season, and you're doing things by your own strength. But there are something God has called you in this season to do by His strength. Amen? I'm moving on. Here we go. That was work of service. You have a duty. The next is the gift of service. There is a gift of service or a blessing. Uh, you know, Jesus is the only one who ever had all the gifts of the Spirit. And the Bible tells us He gives those gifts to the church today. Paul gives all kinds of gifts. There's three sets of spiritual gifts. We don't have time today. But I think perhaps the greatest of these is really the least. That's how the kingdom works. The least is the best. And sometimes we look over this gift and say, I don't want that gift. <laughs> I want the other gift. Nobody wants this, uh, this gift. But this gift is probably the greatest. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. So flip over a few back. Romans 12, verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace, you should underline this, according, underline, to the grace given to each of us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. There's that accordingly again. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If serving, in his serving. That word again is di diakonia, same word for deacon, the same word for minister. It's serving. If you have been given service, he says, according to grace, Jesus, by his grace, has deposited gifts. He gave gifts to men, Ephesians says. When he died on the cross, he purchased all the heavens, heavenly rights and gave gifts to men. He gave gifts according to grace. He says, but if God has given you gifts according to grace, you are to exercise them according to your faith. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Same way. Same way you're saved is the same way you operate in the ministry God's called you to operate in. It's by grace you've been called, by grace you've been given gifts, but you have to work that out according to faith. According to grace and according to faith. It's how I operate in this heavenly realm, in the kingdom, is by grace through faith. It's not my works, it's what God has done in me, and I'm working it out in faith on Him, on His account, right? And so he says, if you have been called to service, all right, diakonos or diakonia, this ministry service, if you've been called into, uh, it's going to take your theology the wrong way maybe for some of you, into deaconship, okay? I'm again, I'm, I'm not using titles, I'm talking about ministry service. There are those who've been called into service according to grace, he says, now exercise this according to faith. You know the first time we see this word 
is in Acts chapter 6, when the early church is dividing in the food pantry. The apostles are working, the food pantry is falling apart because there's division between Greeks and Jews. And he says, uh, the apostles say, we've got to keep focusing on reaching the gospel. This is our gifts and talents. We've been called to do this. Now, seek from among yourselves seven men of good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit who can serve tables. He's not saying we want them just to sweep and mop. He's saying, I want them to administrate the food pantry. I want them to serve, but they've got to be servants. They have other gifts, but they are servants at heart. I'm looking for men and women of faith, of good reputation, who have the gift of serving others. And that qualification is the first way we see leadership rise in the church. People who have a gift of service. And it's, uh, this root word is literally to wait on tables or to provide food or drink or benevolence money. But it actually means minister. To serve, to wait on tables. There's another uh, version of it in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. It's called the gift of helps. Kind of the same gift, but Paul says it another way. He says, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, and the gifts of healing, kind of power and healing together. Then he says, helps. Helps. Did you know that one of the uh, ways God has ordered his church in, in a leadership position is the gift of helps? God has given the gift of helps. There's three ways in the Greek that word can be translated. In this way, in this point, he says, this is the gift of helps is people who give aid and assistance. They find a need in someone's life, and the literal word is to substitute that need. They, from their own provision, find someone with weakness, and they give strength to that weakness. Now, we have nurses in the room. That's what you do. You're an aid worker. You're giving some strength you have from medicine and, and uh, knowledge, and you're giving it to someone weak. The same is true in the spiritual sense. There are weak people who come into this place among us. We're a Holy Spirit hospital to the broken. God has called the gift of helps to be people who say, from my strength in the Lord, I can impart to you some wisdom. I can impart to you some grace. I can impart to you some maybe financial assistance. But there's a gift of helps. Another uh, translation in another verse, Paul uses, he says, I have people who help me. That word is uh, synergio. We get the word synergy from. It means co-labor. Paul says, these people have co-labored. They've helped me. People who along the journey have been with me in dark and sleepless nights who I counted on in prison to feed me and clothe me. Like I said, Stephanos and Tychicus to bring me things. Timothy and Titus. I have people who've been a great help to me. Don't you love people like that? People who are a great help to you. They have the gift of helps. Or what he said of Phoebe. Another word, helper, is patron, all right, in the Greek. It means those who sponsor other works, people who sponsor mission. We couldn't send all those dozens of missionaries we have on that back wall if there weren't people who had the gift of patronage, people who say, God has called me to support and equip and send the gospel, sponsor kids to youth camp and kids camp. There are people in this room who sponsor missionaries every month, and you are called to do that, and that is perhaps one of the greatest gifts God has given to his church is you. You make the gospel go around the world because God has gifted you and called you to do it. Don't think so little of yourself. Oh, woe is me. But God has a specific purpose for you. And this is God's plan for your life. How do you know if this is me or not? Maybe, Pastor, I don't know if this is me. Well, here, let me give you a couple of rundown. People with the gift of service are those who don't prefer the limelight. 
They like the supportive role. They may find satisfaction in practical ways to help others. They are team players, people who get the job done. I love people like this, my favorite people. They are the ones behind the scenes painting walls and fixing broken things. They pick up trash as they get out of their car on the way to the church building. Praise God for people like that, right? They pick up trash. They are the ones in the church that sweep the floor after events. They drive the church van. There are ushers and greeters. They open the door. They're serving the coffee. There are people who are cooking the meals for our potlucks and our outreaches and events and soup kitchens. They come early to church to be a helper, and they stay late and don't leave the pastor here all by himself to clean up. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm shouting for this one. Man, I love people with the gift of helps. And let me tell you something. Through our church here in the last 10 years, we do a personality thing. I did one today. Uh, most people in Sanctuary have this gift. Every, I bet 90% of the people who've come through our Connect course in our church have had the gift of helps. And I want you to know there is a purpose in that because God is a God who lavishes the very best things. And the very best thing He could give His church is the gift of helps, the gift of service. So how are you exercising this gift according to the grace given to you? That's what Paul said in Romans 12, 6. Exercise this thing. Work it out according to the grace given to you by faith. You must work through this. You're not to neglect this gift. You are to use it. Let me tell you something. Let me challenge you as a pastor. If you are holding on to the gifts of grace, you are in a sense spurning that gift. You're in a sense neglecting the grace of God that God has given you to give to His church. You are being selfish with what God has deposited in you I mean, just be honest, if we are so busy building our own kingdoms to neglect that God has deposited gifts in you and God has intended for you to be a pastor to bring that gift to the church, you are disobeying God and you are hindering the work of His church. Jesus died to put something in you and if you are not using that thing, you are actually neglecting the grace of God for His church. It's kind of a fearful thing. That's why Paul says in, in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Jesus died for this body. Jesus died to build this kingdom. He died to purchase redeemed souls, to redeem and purchase those souls. He died for that. And if I'm not interested in what he's interested in, what does that say about the condition of my heart and salvation? There's a work to do there is a gift that God has given. And next is, there's an office or a calling. God has called you to give these gifts away. Look in 1 Corinthians 16, 16. I say, Pastor Heath, move on, get out of here. I'm ready for this to be over. I know, but I'm, I, this is my favorite thing. Because you are God's beloved. And He has made you to be the most wonderful organization, body, kingdom, uh, uh, living thing in the history of the world. And it's you. His Spirit living on the inside of you. And God has given a work for you to do. He's given gifts for you to give away. And He's called some of you to an office of serving. That's a calling. 1 Corinthians 16, 16. So He's saying of Stephanus, He says, Be in subjection to men like Stephanus and his family. And to everyone who helps, that's the word synergio, co-laborers with me, who helps in the work and the labor. That word labor in the Greek means toil tirelessly, tirelessly with sweat. I mean, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I want a tech job. Toils tirelessly with weariness. He says, listen to people like this in your church 
who labor and co-labor for the gospel and give their blood, sweat, and tears to the kingdom of God. Paul says, be in subjection. Why? Because Jesus said, the, the greatest among you, what should they be? Your servant. The least. You see, gradually the early church established all kinds of ministry leaders. We're very much more organized today because we're 2,000 years down the road. But early on, and like I said in Acts 6, it was just those who had the gift of serving along with other God-given gifts. It doesn't mean that God hasn't called you to other things. Leadership in the church has never been about titles, but it's been about Christ-like service. Men like Timothy, Epaphras, Stephanus, even women like Phoebe in the Gospels, Mary, uh, Urbis in Romans 16, and we didn't go through all the names today. They were all praised for their outstanding work, labor, wearying tirelessly for the furthering of the Gospel. And Paul says to many of these people, they were deacons to me. They were ministers to me. They were servants to me. See, maybe you grew up in church and you're like, well, I'm not a deacon and I've had divorce on my record, or I'm not that. You don't know, Pastor Heath, my life's a mess. I just told you, if your life's a mess, God has a ministry for you still. Grace is the gospel message. God has something He wants you to do. Yeah, there's spiritual maturity and responsibility that go hand in hand. But when we look at and we start dividing, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a teacher, I'm not qualified because my church said I couldn't be a deacon, or I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. Let me tell you something. It's God who calls and God who qualifies. It's God who calls and God who qualifies. When Paul and the early church looked at these people, they said, see who God is working in their life and see who's exercising those graces according to the faith within them. They'll grow in spiritual maturity. You'll look at their life after salvation and you'll see that they are working out their salvation with fear and trembling. They have proven their track record by according to the gifts God has put inside of them. So in 1 Timothy 3.8, I want you to read this. I know we come from all different backgrounds, but I want you to read this in the Greek uh, without the titles that we've often inferred it today. Okay, 1 Timothy 3.8. Now, I'm going to put in Greek words here and bring it down to a place that the early church probably understood it. 1 Timothy 3.8. Okay, so here it would say deacon, but I'm going to put in the word servant because we have an image when we say deacon, all right? Servants likewise must be men worthy of respect, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sword gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They first tested, is how it reads, then let them serve, the same word for deacon there, let them deacon, all right, uh, if they are above reproach. Let them serve if they're above reproach. Women likewise must be women worthy of respect, not slanderers, but temperate, faithful in all things, servants must be men, not, the word there is not just husband, it's men of only one woman and good managers of their children in their own households. For those who have well served, the same word again, deacon, obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The verse 13, those who are serving, those who are already ministering, you don't get an office in the church because you just get elected. You get an office because you're already serving. You're already doing the thing that God has called you to do. This is about a gift of service. He says, those who are serving, they should have a life that is Christ-like, that has Christ-like qualities, and they're growing in spiritual maturity. Some have read this more so through the lens of the letter of the law. And I grew up in a tradition the same way. We look at the letter of the law. Paul says the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. Let me tell you something. Some people have said, well, I'm not married, so this disqualifies 
surprise me. Paul and Jesus and Timothy and Silas are also not married. So he's not saying if you're not married, you're not qualified. And he's not saying if you were divorced pre-salvation that you can murder someone and be forgiven, but you can't be divorced and be forgiven. I don't know where that gospel came in to be, but that was in my denomination. We've since worked all those things out. But let me tell you something. We can look at this through the letter, or we can look at this through the gospel and the Spirit who gives life. And understand this is about people who are serving their church. And he wasn't disqualifying Phoebe, who he just listed in Romans chapter 16 and used the same Greek word, diakonos. She was a servant. Instead of reading titles, let's read spiritual giftings in their life that prove their faithfulness to the Lord. And then put people where God has equipped and qualified them. Now Paul is totally sure I understand here today. Paul is definitely not going to say married women should reject spiritual authority of their husbands. We believe here at this church, married women, the Bible says we respect the spiritual authority of our husband. But we are not excluded from serving and being ministers of the gospel in every capacity and every walk of life. If God has saved your eternal soul from hell and have given you the Holy Spirit who is the definition of holy, God has a place in His kingdom for you to do something. For you to do something it may not be everything, and it may not be every position, but God has called you and gifted you to do something. You are a servant. You are a minister. You are a deacon, can be a deacon of the church of Jesus Christ. Not in titles, or taking titles away, but say service. God has called you to positions of service. You know, if it wasn't for missionary women like Mary Slessor, a single woman who went to Africa, we wouldn't have the gospel in Inroad Africa today. If it wasn't for Amy Carmichael, who on a bedside continued to minister even to her death in India, we wouldn't have it in India today. Or even the great Southern Baptist Lottie Moon, who went to the inroads of China. God had something for those ladies to do. God has something for you to do. God has something for every person in His body to do. And what is God calling you to do today? Have you rejected maybe something God has been putting on your heart because our lives have been too busy, too chaotic, you've disqualified yourself, you said, I'm not good enough, I don't know what to do. You've come into a culture today where church is a spectator sport, and it's all about paid professional pastors and celebrity pastors. We're just coming to hear a word for us and go home and live our rest of our lives. There is a work of service every believer is called to do. There are gifts in your life God has given you to give away. And some of you, by your works of service, are proving yourself. Let me tell you something. Every person in the New Testament who Paul lists as a minister, a servant, a deacon, every time they got involved in the church... God took that ministry to the next level, specifically in Acts 6. When they elected those seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit, Stephen being one of them, who became the first martyr, he was a miracle worker. But it wasn't beneath him to wait on tables. He was an evangelist and a preacher, but it wasn't beneath him to organize a food pantry and wait on poor women who were dying in the streets and needed food. He becomes the first martyr, and it's really his life testimony that shapes Saul into Paul. Because of a deacon, a servant, wasn't a title. It was an office that God had gifted him to, to give up his life for the sake of others. And he didn't even know Paul would get saved through that whole event and lead a whole journey. Wait a what if Stephen had never waited on tables? A deacon, a servant, a minister. What if you've neglected the gift of God that he's put in you? And God, maybe there's people missing out generations from now because God has given you something to give away. But we're so burnt out by worldly things, so busy and caught up with so many things, we've not 
time to say, God, I'm, I'm committed. I want to be the church. It's not about coming to church. I want to be the church. Anytime people like Stephen stepped up, the church went to the next day. It's actually after they elected those seven servants, the church in Acts exploded and was propagated around the world. Maybe God's waiting on you to take this church to the next level. He's not waiting on Pastor Heath. He's not waiting on his worship team. He's not waiting on our elders and our board. I think he's waiting on servants. And every time a servant steps up into office to do what they've been called to do, the church goes to the next level. Can I be honest? Man, we're ready for the next level. Would you bow your head and your heart with me today? Father, we're not here to desire titles. We're not here to exclude people from the gift that you've put in them. That we know that every person in this room is called to serve in some capacity. If they're saved by grace through faith, you've departed something, deposited something in their life. Jesus, we want to be obedient to the call of God. Maybe man has put us aside and labeled us and said, you're not qualified. Maybe it's reputation in the community. Maybe we just don't think God could ever use us. Maybe we've been told we're, we're not worthy. Maybe it's a voice in our head that said, there's nothing you could do for Jesus. You've already ruined it. Lord, we just want to reject those voices and know that God, you call, and God, you qualify. It's the Holy Spirit who gives gifts. It's the Holy Spirit who calls. It's the Holy Spirit who sends out. And so, Lord, by a gospel of grace, with the liberty of the Holy Spirit, and we just come to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to serve you. King Jesus, I bow at your feet and worship you. Lord, cleanse me of my sin. Forgive me of everything I've ever done. And Lord, I just bow at you and say, Lord, how can I serve the King? How can I minister to the King? And God's just going to begin.